being reasonable. Now heard on WHUPLP Hillsborough, WCOM Carborough, and WPVM Asheville. Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we first meet with ordained interfaith minister and physician Mary Scott Sue, as she expresses her belief that at times we should be able to adjust our beliefs in order for all of us to lead more happy, joyful, and connected lives. Next, we speak with troposphere astronaut Joe Waddell as he works through his general lack of a strong belief. But first up, ordained interfaith minister and physician Mary Scott Sue. Your belief is that we seem to organize the world around us through our beliefs. Correct. Part of what you try to do is adjust your beliefs when that needs to occur. I would say that's right. Did I, did I sum that up right? Yes. And the, the reason behind that, the purpose of that is so that we can have a more happy, joyful, connected life with one another. I think the times that I feel upset or concerned, um, there's always something behind it that is fear-based to some degree, anxiety-producing or worrisome. And recognizing that gives me an opportunity to kind of see, see if that's really true or not, to kind of examine it and see if we can make a different choice. I think we always have that choice between fear and love. When you change your beliefs, what is the most important information to you? I guess we can call this a belief, but I feel like it's deeper than that. It feels like a a knowing, a calling is, I believe in God. I believe God is our creator. I can use the word God. Some people don't like that word. They might want to use creator or higher power or source, my heart source. Mm -hmm. Having experienced for at least the past 15, 20 years this sort of call to remember that higher source, to kind of wake up to what that means in my life, um, it feels like a call to love because I feel like our what has created us is love, is a highest power of love. Love is, uh, I think there's a Stanford scientist that said love is the universal solvent. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what we all flow into. So because I feel that call to remember that love or kind of know that love again in my life, I feel like that's what guides my life. I recognize that I can 
choose that, or I can choose more worrisome thoughts, more fearful thoughts. It's that overarching call to God, to love, that guides my life. And obviously people who know me will know, well, there are times (laughs) that you let your fear thoughts um, rule. And I totally agree with that. I mean, that's what this life journey seems to be about. So you're using love almost synonymously with higher power. Yes. And you mentioned that love creates us. How does that work? If you could explain that. (laughs) I wish I could. But I think love or our higher power or God is a mystery while we are in these lives, you know, but but also present. It's more of an inner feeling or a calling than a belief system. So that's what I think is interesting about this conversation is beliefs are surrounded by our thoughts in our mind. And I think who we are, what we are, somehow our spirit, our our soul, whatever we want to call it, who we are beyond this just physical experience is a product of that love of our Creator. And so I think we can experience that while we're here. I think we can if, if we want to. And so in that, it's examining all our mind's thoughts. Or which way is our mind going? Is our mind going towards that love? Do we want to look at everybody with love and forgiveness and compassion? Or do we want to let our conditioned thoughts that may be guided from a fearful perspective, guide us. And then we might feel more of a victim or more guilty or more angry. Um, All those thoughts, I think, are based on, you know, fear as a backdrop. And so it's just a journey of choice. If love comes or is derived from a creator, where would an emotion like fear, in this case, derive from? Um, I guess my explanation for that um, comes from a study of um, lots of the mystical parts of most religions. Mm-hmm. Um, it also come uh, and another specific study that I've done is from A Course in Miracles, which is a self-study um, book. But they all, at the heart of them, have the same basis and. What I think they say is that love comes from our Creator, but it's because we think we're separate from our Creator. We forget that we are part of God. We are God's children. We are an extension of God. Um, Because we forget that, we think we're separate. And that can be a fearful thought if you— if at your heart you recognize the love of the Creator— and you think, oh, but I decided to be separate from that. Uh-oh, you know, that can be fear-based. And so from those mystical um, parts of, of these religions or from A Course in Miracles, that is sort of the, the explanation of it. And you can believe that or not, you know, the metaphysical um, component of it, that's up to each person to examine for themselves. But... It rings true. So when we experience fear, it is, in some sense, at the root of it, 
feeling of separation from God or your creator? I think so. If this belief was not true, how could we find out, if that makes sense? (laughs) (laughs) If this belief, my belief that the creator, that we could be separate from the creator was not true. How about this question first? How important is it for you in believing in things that are true? Well, I think that finding the truth is the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wasn't always on this journey. I mean, I, I, I had, a, as a child, I had a kind of call to understand spirituality. You know, I was raised in an Episcopal church. I love Jesus. In, in high school, I would go to church and just enjoy being in the presence, but not really connecting. And then I went to medical school, and yeah. their science kind of ruled. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I was about 40 that I kind of had this call to f- awaken to my spirituality again. And, and in that, I realized it's, what is the truth? That is the question, right? And how do you—I think your question is wonderful— how do you determine what the truth is? Because the truth can be different for, you know, the billions of people that live on this planet. What, what we think is true in this physical experience can be different for different people. They might have different experiences, but what resonates inside of us, it's, it's a feeling, intuition, resonance of what is what guides me in this. So it's very important that I find the truth. Or that I move towards it. Is truth, the way you're describing it, is it a subjective experience? Or is it mapped on to something that is real and can be measured somehow? I think truth is connected to an ultimate reality, maybe an eternal reality. Um, I think in this world that we live in, we all feel that our truth is related to our experience. And, um, but that, that may not be an ultimate or eternal truth. So I, I, it depends on what you're talking about. I feel the call more towards what is the eternal truth. So the way you describe truth is a universal truth. Universal truth. And uh, a truth that if I hear you correctly, persists and exists whether you and I existed or not. I think so. So, and I find it an interesting concept of love being a connection to a creator and fear being a, a disconnection from a creator, presuming that finding a universal truth is important. How do we know that is getting closer to a truth. I don't know if that makes sense. I can back to reframe it <laughs> no, if you'd like. No, I, I, I see what you're saying. I don't, I don't have the answer. I can only... Someone asked you to give a really good example why you believe this. What would you say? What would be a best case or a good case? I think it would have to be based on an experience that I had once. Okay. Um, it was an sort of an instant outside of time. 
Okay. The the backdrop was I was driving home from work. Uh, it was a winter evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tired and hungry. It was dark, and I came to a crossroads stoplight, and mm-hmm. I could either go go home and get food and relax, or I could go left and pick up my daughter at basketball practice, but I'd have to wait there 20 minutes. And I was feeling kind of tired and sort of the victim of the day. Mm. And I could go home and try to talk my former husband into going and getting her at basketball. But I made a choice. And the choice was, no, I'm going to go. I'll go to the basketball practice. And so I just waited in the car uh, and was reading my spiritual book under the streetlight. And all of a sudden, I had this instant that all I, there are no words for it, but it seemed to transcend time in that there was no physical reality, but no one was missing. Physical reality. There was no physical reality, but no one was missing. That's the only, that's the best words I have for it. So you had an intense spiritual experience. experience. And there was just exponentially increasing joy. Hmm. And then, you know, that could have been an eternal moment, and I would take that moment over anything else that I know. But then the perspective that was me, you know, again, no physical body, but I had a perspective. Saw, like, looking through a two-way mirror at at a young woman who was looking concerned. She could not see this wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. She was in the physical reality, and she was worried. And and I was just telling her, all that you're worried about is meaningless, because this experience is what is reality. And all of a sudden after that, I was back in my car, Mm. and I felt the greatest relief Mm. of my life release and relief to know the truth of that reality that had been calling to me. And I can remember that experience, and it lifts me up every time. And so things here that we worry about, we can transcend them. We can go beyond them. We can forgive them and, and be happier. So it seems that you had a very powerful experience And this experience was transformative. And the person who you were after this experience was not quite the person you were before this experience. Yes. Is it possible to have a powerful experience and that experience be life transformative? and indeed does transform your life, and your beliefs are changed dramatically from that experience, and you behave in a different way in the world, yet that belief still not be true. That's a great question. I mean, a lot of people have life-transforming events. It changes their life and and their life experience changes. So I, I think I'd have to ask you what you mean by truth. It's If, a, if it's not true, uh, you know, no one has that highest perspective 
that can see all things at every, you know, to, to know what is true, we'd probably have to be able to see everything across all of time and space, you know, past, present, future, to see really what the truth is. And none of us in our physical forms now can have that perspective. You know, I don't, I don't think you can have the answer. I don't think I can have the answer. I can only move towards what I feel is the most positive life I can live. You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. If you have a belief that you wish to discuss, please connect with us through beingreasonableshow.com. We will continue our conversation with ordained interfaith minister and physician, Mary Scott Sue, as she expresses her belief that at times we should be able to adjust our beliefs in order for all of us to lead more happy, joyful, and connected lives coming up after this short break.
maybe if I generated an example. Okay. Let's say I had a life transformative event happen to me that after that event, I believed that I was a billionaire. I'm not a billionaire, but I believe that I am. Because of that belief, I treat my friends better. I give more money to causes. I'm a better person by the yardstick of whoever knows me. So the belief was transformative, but yet the belief was not true. I think that's what I'm getting at. That's a good example. So I guess it, what is the reason behind the belief? The reason behind the belief? Mm-hmm. If being a billionaire makes you a better person, or you, you, I guess what what you're saying in that belief is you feel more abundance, you feel less scarcity, you feel um, like you, you're the gifts that you might have had inherently before that, the gifts of wanting to give and serve and connect with people are all there in you. Mm-hmm. You were just before limited by worries of not enough money, scarcity, princi- those principles that are f- more fear-based. But because something changed, mm-hmm. thinking you're a billionaire... Um, or maybe you were a billionaire. Maybe you did win the lottery or something. Either way, the outcome of your behavior was reducing those fearful thoughts. I guess the way I am trying to construct the analogy is that the truth is I am not a billionaire. But that false belief, and I'm not saying that your belief is false, but I'm saying my belief is false. Yet... It is transformative, and I behave in a better way. There's a great outcome from this Mm -hmm. belief. Okay. Maybe this is a question I should ask then. Is it more important that a belief is true or that a belief ends up having a positive effect on a person? So... I think the second is what I agree with most. And and I think that's how our world is formed. Our beliefs shape our world. And so if our beliefs have a positive impact on a person, so they live a, from whosever perspective, a better life. To me, love is the highest mm-hmm. calling. So mm-hmm. if you live a more loving life, a more giving life, a more peaceful life, a joyful life, um, grateful life. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever leads you to that, I think is is more important. Now, if your belief changed that you're not a billionaire and all of a sudden you have these scarcity thoughts again, then that belief wasn't true, right? But if your belief is that who you are is part of something greater than anything 
thing that can be looked at and is changeable in this world, like for me, that's where my rock is. You know, that's where my anchor is. That's what carries me through difficult times, yet still wanting I'm sorry, to have what a carries, positive. I, I didn't quite follow you. I, just, I want to make sure I understand. Mm-hmm. What carries you through the difficult times? So it depends on what you're... So the belief as a billionaire could change, right? You could believe you lost all your money, and then you wouldn't have this... You might decide, I can't give anymore, or I don't want to be as giving to other people. But in, I, in your case... Well, I don't want this to sound like I've got the answer. Everybody has to find the answer for themselves. But, sure, sure. But for me, I feel like God or the source of love, if that's my anchor, if that is what directs my life, I can always hold on to that. And so it, maybe it's my belief in God I, that, that carries me. You know, I think that does for a whole lot of people. But I want more than just a belief that can change. You know, if bad things happen, I don't want to not believe in God anymore. That that doesn't that I I think um, God or this source of love is always there for us. Whatever is happening out here in the world, um, and and that is what I can hold on to, or that guides me, even even if I lose all my money. I don't want to blame God for that. I want to see, okay, where is this taking me? How can my journey change? You know, how can I still forgive that and live a loving life? So when good things happen to you, it seems like God is involved. And if something bad happens to you, like you lose all your money, you don't want to say that involves God. Should we believe in something that can't be shown to be false? That's a great question. Right, because you can't show that it's false. There's there's no proof that it's false. I think... Um, trying to decide how to phrase this. If, if God is love, assuming God is love, and that is who we are, that is who we are, regardless of good or bad things that happen here. Like, I don't think God makes us a billionaire, you know, so that we can, so our egos can be expanded and we can buy lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um I think God has a presence here, but it's our choices that affect what we think or what appear in our lives to be good or bad. So I don't want to say God's involved if it's good, but God's not involved if it's bad, or God is involved if it's bad. I don't I don't believe that. I believe God is. God is who we are. Mm-hmm. But it's our own choices that form the world and we decide is that a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the question is, should we believe in something that we can't prove as false? I think most things in this world eventually change, right? Um, I know some of the religions use that and say, um, you know, everything changes over time in this physical world. Mm-hmm. Nothing is permanent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the only permanent thing that that I feel or that I trust or that I know is, is, is the love of God. And I think we all have it. I think it's in all of us. And I, and I want to see it in everyone. That's what I want to see in everyone. That is my guide. And so I realize this is about sort of my personal experience, but, and should we believe in something that we can't prove is false? I think, I, I think that question I don't know that that ha- has meaning when I feel so strongly that we are here to sort of extend our loving presence. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, it is a hard thing to discuss. Last question. Okay. If your belief was not true. Would you want to know it? Sure. That's what I'm doing. That's that's what I try to do every day. We live in a time where we have different populations in our country that believe wildly different things. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it seems to be getting us into trouble especially people with very different beliefs aren't able to discuss that in a healthy way. Mhm. Right. I agree. And and so like one of the reasons I became an interfaith minister was because I have patients that get very anxious about their situations. Um and some of them use prayer or their spiritual side as a strength. And I became a, uh, I did a chaplain internship as well to understand what, I wanted to understand what patients are going through. I wanted to understand their beliefs so that I could be supportive of them from multiple different perspectives, right? So that my lack of having the same belief system that they did would not interfere with our connection or with my ability to offer support to those people so that they could feel comfortable and comforted and supported. Like I think to help them not feel alone. So when our beliefs separate us, I think we've, or we try to argue our beliefs Mm -hmm. It can be, uh, it can make us feel very alone, mm-hmm. you know, and alienated. And so, a lot of this conversation is talked about sort of the in-depth metaphysical ideas about my spirituality or why I kind of look mm-hmm. at things this way. But I think forgiving all those belief systems, knowing that we are connected. To one another, uh, having this knowing, having the experience that I had, you know, where we were all connected and all one and nobody's missing. And the joy of that was unbelievable. Having that and being able to see that in anybody, regardless of mm-hmm. what they believe, even if, if, if they would 
do things totally differently. That's that's to me what forgiveness is. Um, it's to see beyond whatever our beliefs are, mm-hmm. mine, yours, anyone's, and just know there's a connection. And 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 therefore reduce that gap, that space between us so that, so we don't feel alone. We don't feel lonely. We don't feel separated from one another. We feel loved and connected. And so that's really, in a nutshell, what I want to do with my life here. You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. Troposphere astronaut Joe Waddell works through his general lack of a strong belief coming up after this short break. I'm a gender fluid illegal. I've traveled all this way to come find you. I'm a gender fluid illegal. Showed up at your door to make love to you. I'm a gender fluid illegal. I'm gonna steal your job away from you. I'm a gender fluid illegal. And now I'm here to kill you.
let's say as a thought experiment, sure, that you had a choice to hold a belief. Yeah. And whatever belief you choose to hold, the truth value is a hundred percent, meaning that it's it's a true belief that you're we we should try this this thought hold. experiment. Absolutely. So what, this, what belief me. would you hold if all beliefs that you could hold were true? Right. Uh, I love this idea. So this is a belief that I've tried on for size once or twice over the years. And this is the one that I've enjoyed the most. Okay. It's the belief. This is the one that I would most want to be true. Okay. So desperately want to be true. The belief that when I die... All will be revealed to me. So that's interesting belief. So it's a belief that when you die, you'll gain special knowledge. But this is more than a belief of just surviving your death. How did the universe begin? I what, see. What, yeah, and just almost, I I want to gain a new perspective at mm-hmm. that point, right? And uh, you know, I just. I, I don't, I want to believe that all of the big questions that I have in this life would be answered mm-hmm. after this, you know, like, thanks, thanks for playing. Here's, here's what actually was going on. You know, did you know you were in a simulation the entire time? Or did you know mm-hmm. that, you know, you're really just, um, you know, a pine tree? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who, who knows like what absurdity it could be, but just to, to know the truth. That's what I desperately want to believe. I get that. Something about knowing the truth, even if that truth is an uncomfortable truth, Mm -hmm. is something about that knowledge just for the sake of that knowledge. Yeah. So you're something worthwhile. (laughs) Yeah. And you're you're, you're grinning ear to ear over there. So, I mean, I want to. Well, on this show, we talk a lot about beliefs. And invariably, when we talk about beliefs, then we end up talking about truths and what is true. And some people hold knowing the truth or having great knowledge about something way up there at the top, and some people don't. Oh, yeah, that's right. I I, I enjoy this one particular belief. Uh, I remember uh, as a young child, this idea being introduced to me. I don't know if, you know, just kind of popped into my head one day or if someone was talking about it, but uh, it, it just brings me great pleasure. It's so, you know, when, when you're having a hard day or a hard month or mm-hmm. a hard year uh, or, you know, things aren't going the way you want them to. Right. And you wonder what is, you know, the point of all this and uh, something that always kind of lifts my spirits for a a moment to pretend that when this is over, Mm. when I die, Mm -hmm. all like I will know the truth behind all of this. All will be revealed. And it is so, it's, it's just a very pleasant thought for me. What do you think is the probability of that belief being true? Oh, Good. So now we're we've now we're talking about something concrete. This is good. Uh like on a scale from 1 to 10 you're saying. 
10 being most certain. I like to use a scale from one to seven, <laughs> because, because the scale of seven, <laughs> the scale of seven has a midpoint, although a scale of, say, 10 doesn't. One to 10 does not have a midpoint, unless you count 4.5. You know what kills me are the, um, the how, like, there are some people who hold tight to the IMDB <laughs> scale of ratings. Some others hold to the Rotten Tomato scale. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to copyright the one to seven. The one scale. to seven is, is like, yeah, but, is but all new. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's I'm, not, I'm not the first person to come up with this. <laughs> they, they, I, I almost the psychology but, literature uses. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, it's called a Likert scale because there's a midpoint in the scale. Oh, great. All right, so we'll use that, the Likert scale. Very nice. Um, I was going to say, we should have a, you should use the binary scale. It's like one to two, one to (laughs) zero to one. one. Right. And and I'm realizing that that's kind of like the old school thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. Which is also like also very good. This scale goes to seven. So on a scale from so one to seven, what would you say is the probability of your, or the number you would choose that your belief being true? Realistically. I am, I'm just such a loss at how to assess this, the you know, how to answer this question. Uh, it, oh, it, it, I am human, and it seems like a natural tendency to want to ascribe meaning to to randomness. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me, a very you know uh, ancient part of me that that wants to say, oh, it, yeah, it's got it's totally got to be more on the likely side of things because look around. Uh, there must be, something more right to this and if there's something more if there's this is all planned out then the the thing planning it uh seems it would be reasonable to allow the participants at the end to you know show them what they were a part of uh, like the end of a hidden camera episode where <laughs> they said their camera was over here and here and you're a part of this game and and this is why <laughs> what, what was going on and and wasn't that fun exactly so give me a number ah from one to seven a one to seven <laughs> on the top to of your head seven being most likely yeah the, that this belief is true and one is not likely at all the likelihood yes. of it being true. I'm going to say is actually pretty low. Let's say two. Okay. The belief you want most to be true, you think, is a two. Sure. Quite unlikely to actually be the, true. The, the one belief you most want. Do you think you'd be a different person if that belief was a seven? The reason that ha- it, having a scale one to seven, okay. choosing two, yes. is, is actually... Uh, yes, has had great effect on my life. Okay. Is because it has left the possibility open. So you behave in a different manner 
thinking that this belief is possibly a two, as opposed to if this belief was a zero? How do you think you interact differently in the world? I think if I was, if, uh, if I was certain that there was no way this would, was the case, okay. right? a zero on the scale of one to seven. I gotcha. I mean, that I would probably uh, be much more depressed that it, uh, you know, that I, that I wouldn't have this, this, this comfort to revisit at different points in my life to say, uh, Hey buddy. Uh, yeah, things are pretty bad right now, but, but remember, uh, it's possible that there's going to be some pretty cool stuff at the end of this ride. And, and, you know, in, in some, uh, I don't remember these specific moments of my life when I would revisit these moments, but it, it certainly uh, has cheered me up in times when, when I'm down. Let's say, and, and, and I'm not saying this is the case. Sure. But for our conversation, yeah. let's say, and I'm not trying to depress you. No, no, of course. Uh, <laughs> and it's not. It's right. not. Let's no. say the belief is a zero. <laughs> Let's just say that somehow we know that this belief is a zero. That when this you, interview is over, Mark. <laughs> the no. interview is over. <laughs> that when yes. you, <laughs> I mean, I, thanks for what, coming. What, I feel like I should adopt a, like a mopey uh, English accent. What's the point? The thought I think people have when someone suggests sticking them in a room with someone who has a very different belief than they have is. Fear, no. Oh, intense fear of uh, what do you think uh, of the unknown of of the fear of change or the fear of uh, losing one's identity? When there's a name for this, Mark, and you'll need to look this up after the show and and. Uh, and then just ad lib it in for me right now as mm-hmm. though I, I knew what the term okay. was. But um, uh, there's a uh, medical condition called, and <laughs> go right there, Mark. Uh-huh. Um, no, there's a medical condition that it's been termed, it's what, it's what happens when, uh, when individuals from, uh, uh, from Tokyo or highly densely populated areas in Japan Mm-hmm. Travel to France, for example. Paris syndrome. Yeah, Paris. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, I, I think it, yes, it's something like that. And and they show up there, and the their belief right. of the of how the world is is so it, it it's so radically opposite. You know, they got these rude people out of my way, or you know, like and and. Uh, the food didn't taste as good as they imagined. And they, they like go into some sort of shock. Relatives have to fly like expert teams in to extract these (laughs) poor tourists. I've actually heard of, yeah, this is actually a thing. And so, and so I think right there, they were confronted. Right. Their belief was challenged and just decimated. So, right before their eyes and and i think i think 
It's uncomfortable. I think that when you're in a room talking about some other belief, a little tinge of that same, it's an extreme example, the Mm -hmm. Paris syndrome, but you begin to be like, oh God, oh God, oh God. (laughs) Like the walls are closing in on me. There's something, Mark, where that belief is pretty testable. Right. Right? I mean, think Mm -hmm. about it. Like, Meanwhile, most people are wandering around this planet with a belief about, you know, a, de- a higher deity, you know, some deity. Um, and they're never going to go to Paris and be proven wrong. <laughs> you know, there's not like, you know, not a place you can go and be confronted with reality. Now, if if what what I'm hoping is true, you die and and then you're confronted with the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh you know, uh, afterlife syndrome, they'd call it. I don't know. From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.
something's better than nothing Cause something is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Nothing is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to be
storm I think I just float away If I wasn't anchored to you Everything floats away 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 Everything floats away